Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real-Time Enterprise channel on Vantic TV, our video and podcast series of interviews with thought leaders and practitioners in digital transformation and the real-time enterprise. My name is Blaine Matthew, and I'm Chief Marketing and Product Officer at Vantic. Note that you can reach either myself or the guest by sending a note to realtime at vantic.com, and we will be more than happy to follow up. Joining me today is Ken Piddington, CIO of SGR Energy, president of Compass 42, and a member of the Forbes Technology Council. Ken has had a long career as both a CIO and an advisor on numerous digital transformation initiatives. Thanks for the time, Ken. Thank you, Blaine. Happy to be here. Great. All right. Let's have some fun. Well, since you seem to have a, a stick in a few different fireplaces, what do you tell us a little bit about both SGR and Compass 42? Sure, sure. SGR Energy is a uh, privately held company headquartered here in Houston. Uh, we do heavy fuel oils, blending and manufacturing, uh, primarily supplying power generation facilities in, in South America. So we operate globally. You know, we're, we're based here in Houston. Uh, and we've been around since 2011. And in 2018, we were named by Houston Business Journal as the fastest growing privately held company uh, in Houston with over 1,700% revenue growth. So it's been a, a wild ride uh, here in a, in a very short period of time uh, for, the, for the company. So lots of fun and exciting things uh, going on, particularly in the acquisition space and growth down in, in South America. Uh, and then I'm also the president CEO for Compass 42, which is my own advisory firm. Uh, through that, I uh, provide interim and fractional CIO work and other general advisory mentoring and coaching services uh, to companies of all different shapes and sizes and help them uh, on their transformation efforts, particularly with uh, new-to-job new to CIOs. Hmm. Impressive. So we first met at an engaged digital transformation conference last fall, and I heard you speak about, uh, you know, about the evolution of the CIO and, and digital transformation and other things that we're going to talk about. How did you get to where you are today, being a consultant and, and guru in this space and, and doing so many things? Well, uh, for, it's, been a, it's not been a traditional journey to, to, my, to my role, but uh, a big foundation to it is a lot of learning and all those books you see behind me, I, I read, read like crazy. But we kind of go back and think about uh, my, my career progression. It was not, uh, I said, not traditional. Uh, you know, I went to college, I played football and baseball, and as probably every young athlete had these aspirations of being a professional athlete. And uh, soon into my college career, realized that uh, that wasn't going to happen and needed to, to shift focus and just time to start focusing on your education a little more than the, uh, the college sports and fun. Uh, while I was in college, though, I, and for a while afterwards, I had a fantastic summer job at a construction supply company owned by a family friend. Uh, and I had the opportunity there to do everything from working in the yard, loading trucks to driving trucks, sales, inventory, accounting, and obviously running the computer systems. Uh, but the, the, the gentleman who owned the company took me under his wing and really taught me how to run a business. And it's that foundation that I have looked back to and used throughout my career. It may have been a job I had from summers in college, but it, it's laid such a groundwork for who I am 
and the things I learned, how I apply that today, even though it was 20 plus years ago, um, it's still relevant to, to what I do today. From there, I, I always loved to program, and um, I had uh, I'd written a gambling program for the, to manage the uh, NCAA basketball tournament, uh, and it got noticed. Uh, it got noticed by a software company, uh, which landed me a job as an application developer, which ultimately promoted me into being head of product development. We built commodities trading and risk management software uh, for companies of all different shapes and sizes, many very big Fortune 500 companies that you know and probably do business with today used our software. What I found was I, um, I love the business and problem solving and figuring out how to leverage technology uh, to, to drive our business forward more than I liked programming. Um, that led me to start my own consulting firm. Um, and from that, starting to work with clients of all different shapes and sizes, helping them in their various business transformation efforts. Uh, which ultimately led me to be the CIO of Global Partners. When Global Partners is a Fortune 500 uh, midstream logistics, uh, petroleum distributor, owner of gas stations and convenience stores. Uh, and while there, I was able to be one of the leaders to help drive us through dramatic growth and transformation going from a $6 billion company to a $20 billion company in just four years. Uh, so it was dramatic, very fast paced. We became an entirely different company. Uh, through that. And that's that experience that I've been able to take with me through my consulting and advisory and, and other CIO roles today at SGR and, and, and others previous that uh, I'm able to leverage all that experience to help others uh, be successful. Wow, that is quite a story. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that. I, I really appreciate that. Excellent. And, you know, we, go, we have a lot of uh, gurus and experts who uh, spend a lot of time in the, you know, theorizing about digital transformation, but it's great to see someone who, you know, who's just been there and done it in the real world with so many companies and so successfully. Yeah, and you, when you look at that, that one result, I continue to, to call out, you know, we drove from a $6 billion to a $20 billion company. Um, we were big to begin with, but we got really big and we were such a different organization when, when well, the journey continued, it never ends, but uh, just in that four year period, for what we were doing, um, and you don't think of digital as much in the oil industry as you mm -hmm. might in other retail things, but we had all of that going on, and there was a number of different ways, both how it was applied internally and externally customer-facing that, that really made an impact in helping drive that growth. Interesting. Well, I want to get back to some specific examples, what you, what you learned and experienced uh, at that point. But I want to go back and just talk, touch briefly on, I think, what is one of your seminal uh, pieces of writing that our listeners can check out on your website and, and on your LinkedIn profile titled, Create Your Legacy, Inspire an IT-Led Revolution. So what, what, is the, what is the thesis of that uh, think piece and, and why did you write it? Yeah, um, you know, for, for me, times were, are, have and, and continue to be changing very quickly in our, in our organizations. And I think the, the role of the CIO of technology leaders as a whole, we, we've got an opportunity to see across our organization and create value in new places than, we, than, than we've done before. Um, and it's, it was me, it was kind of a call to action to say, get out of your, you know, lose the pocket protector, get out of the back office, step out of your comfort zone and create a real legacy to help drive our company, your companies forward and, and thus your career and create that legacy for you and your team for where you want to go. I, you know, I believe the pace of change is faster than ever. 
uh, and, and then the essence for IT to really make a stand to help drive an organization's success or failure is now. And to do that, we needed to do things in a more revolutionary way than traditional IT. And that was, that was really the, the basis behind it and, and kind of getting everyone to light a fire under them and let's go. The opportunity is sitting there. Go take advantage of it. Yeah. Create your legacy. So are you fundamentally saying that digital transformation initiatives should be driven and led by the IT side of, of an organization? I think they need to be led by the right people in the organization, but as an IT leader, you have to be integrally in, intimately involved. And more often than not, it's not gonna happen if you don't take charge. And you are in a better position than almost, than everybody else in your organization to do so. If you've been doing the right things all the way along throughout your career and what you're doing for your organization, you've got such a, a vantage point. Sometimes people refer to it as the helicopter view of the CIO uh, and seeing into all departments of, and how our business runs that you can bring more knowledge uh, and insight to what we need to do, whatever digital transformation needs to mean for your organization because it's very different for every, every company. Uh, that's why I think what makes it so, so hard. Um, and then you, because it is so technology driven, um, who else better to be that face to it um, and a leader of it than, than the CIO and the other technology leaders in the company? Yeah. Well, I guess that's why, is that why we call it digital transformation then? Because it is very much technology driven or what, what do you think about that? Hey, I think the term is overused. There's a lot of hype related, related to that. Um, I really think it's business transformation uh, is what we've been doing, which we should have been doing all along. And digital is just a tool. Um, the digital technologies uh, have become so much more mainstream. I hate that I'll probably use that phrase mainstream a lot, yeah. uh, that it's, it's enabling where we, we need to go. I look at it as it's digital trade and much of a market dynamic. That's something that's really happening all around us as much as, as more so than something that we need to undertake. I think it's a greater use of technology uh, with, within a company's products and processes and services in an effort to increase the speed of execution, uh, deliver competitive differentiation, change the customer experience um, is really what it's all about. That's, if you take the, the word digital out of it, isn't that what we were doing from a business transformation all along, continually trying to move faster, continually trying to do better, uh, to, to be able to create the right experience for our customer, whether we were doing that through really cool mobile applications and data and analytics that we're going to know and predict uh, what, what our customers needed before they thought they, they even knew they needed it. Or you're talking about different automations that could be used internally to create the intelligent enterprise. Um, we were still trying to transform our companies both inside and out, or hopefully we were. Uh, we were all talking about that many, a couple of years ago about business transformation and transforming IT. We're doing the same thing, just now technology's become a greater part to it. Um, it's yeah, more because yeah. people can touch it and see it. We think about the consumerization of IT. Everybody's got their, their mobile device and is used to doing things differently than they were before. I mean, people are talking to some um, Amazon or Google or whoever's device that they want to speak to today uh, at their homes and doing things that way. Why isn't that making it into the organ business? And that's part of this transformation, this new technology to do and drive the right business outcomes. Right. Which is why you would think that the IT group and the CIO should be at the forefront of these transformations and why you wrote your call to arms about 
an IT-led revolution. Uh, however, in my experience, and you heard me speak a little bit about this at the Engage conference, I, I think most people who are not IT leaders, they're business leaders, line of business leaders or departmental organizational uh, leaders are generally not very happy with the uh, impact of IT in their organization. And they see them as, as a force for slowing down when, uh, you know, not for actually fundamentally driving their part of the business ahead. What, you know, do you agree with that? Do you think that's what's happening in the real world? And if so, why, or am I just getting it wrong? No, I, unfortunately it is happening in, in the real world um, more often than I, I wish it, it did. Uh, I think a, a big reason for that is there's so much going on uh, in our organizations that as technology leaders, we tend to um, like to stay in our comfort zone and our comfort zone being the technology. We don't want to step outside those, those four walls. Organizations that have technology leaders are, it's not even technology, I would prefer to refer to it as business technology leaders. You know, it's like the CFO has finance as their lever that they pull in order to drive value for the, for the company. We as, as the CIO has to be able to pull on the same types of levers, but I have technology as my toolkit as opposed to the finance side. But both of us have to know the business. And in my, my first point of stepping out of our comfort zone, that's the hard part for many folks who have grown up through technology and into their CIO roles or other senior IT leadership roles. Um, they didn't come at it or didn't have the broad enough experience to really understand your business. And that's, as I said in my backstory a bit, you know, I found I loved what was going on in the business more than I loved programming. And that's where I started to put my focus uh, around. I believe, I, I, I believe it's my responsibility and my team's responsibility to understand what I often refer to as how our cash register works, as well as anybody else in our organization, no matter what role you have, if not better in some cases, because most people are in one particular uh, department of the company. They have a very siloed focus. We have to support all of that and understand how it flows from end to end. So it's, it's really well, on us to understand how that cash register works so that we can understand how to help drive that business forward, whether it's through technology, it's through people, it's through processes. It's bringing new ideas to the table. So I think the reason most companies fail is they don't have um, strong leaders that are willing to step out of their comfort zone and they may not have a rest of an executive team that's willing to let them step out of there even if they want to because maybe they haven't done the right things up front to prove that they're ready for it they haven't focused on the foundational components of, of, of your IT organization and have those those solid I always go you, you know I want to got my house and I want to put this great new media room on it. But if my foundation is all these cracks and it's going to fall down when I, when I try to expand it, that's wasted effort. And, and, and I can't do that. I've got to fix the cracks in my foundation before I can go put on that fancy media room. I think some people have too many cracks that haven't been fixed. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. And just for those that haven't read your articles yet, when you refer to the cash register, you're talking about fundamentally the business model of the company, the way it generates revenue, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And understanding what your role is in contributing to that. And I don't care what you do in the company, whether you're the, the CEO, you're the janitor, or you're anywhere in between, we all do something that influences how well that cash register works. And we, uh, we need to understand that. That's a big thing I've always done with my teams is talking about that and making them understand, um, you know, and the, one of the hardest groups with that is you start to talk to your help desk and getting them to understand the cadence of your business 
and how their role and what they do or don't do will, will influence that cash register. Yeah, makes sense. And for listeners under 30, the cash register was this device that used to sit on the desk and you, you pressed keys and a drawer opened with the cash in it, right? You know, mm -hmm. sort of like a calculator that let cash go in and out, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just needed to point that out just in case. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like square, but with paper money, you know, is, is what it was. We won't talk about fax machines or punch no. cards. Okay. Right. Yes. Yeah. All right. Good, good stuff. Uh, so I'd love it if you could give maybe some specific examples, either through your time at, at SGR or prior, your prior companies, or maybe during, with your consulting experience, specific examples of some interesting and impactful business transformation initiatives you've been involved with or aware of. Sure. Well, I think some, I'll kind of use some examples, uh, from, from, from global, um, Perfect. where it would be some great examples of that transformation. Um, I believe in part of what you actually had, had seen me speaking about creating this real-time know-it-all agile enterprise. Um, and that's really ties into what I often refer to as being an intelligent enterprise. That's your digital transformation inside. So much of the digital transformation, we think about the, the real cool, sexy stuff and how do I engage my customer differently and create products out, out there. But we forget about the, ins often we forget about the digital workplace and creating an intelligent enterprise inside. And that's where I spent a lot of my original focus was making us a better organization, able to move at the speed our business needed to, to go at. Um, one was uh, an analytics project that was driven around uh, one of our business segments on the fuel side to give them insights into what our plan was to what was happening real time as trucks were coming and picking up our product compared to where the market was at that given moment. Uh, so where previously they were kind of looking out the rear view mirror um, and having passed what happened many exits ago, trying to figure out what they went by, they were really working with, with much historical data. We wanted to let them start looking out the front window and looking out the back window, but, but much closer together. Um, and that analytics uh, and, and business intelligence initiative was a big part to that transformation for that business to help them optimize uh, their margins and maximize revenue opportunities for that for their business. From a, a more customer sexy side of it, um, I said earlier we own gas stations and convenience stores and short of price, what were you going to do for why you would go to one store versus another? It had to be about the convenience, it had to be about the opportunities and we were in this age of most people, at least of the younger generation, leave their wallet at home, but never forget to bring their, uh, their mobile device. So how could we leverage the mobile device to bring them into our stores? So we created a mobile, mobile payment at the pump application, including loyalty to drive them to our stores and then from the pump into the, into the station, into the store itself to maybe buy a Coke and chips and, and other things to go along with that gas. Because the real margin, the real money was made on all the other merchandise, not so much on the actual actual gasoline. So those were two examples for us that had had a huge impact uh, on what we did as a company, one from an internal side and one from a from an external perspective. Hmm. Those are great examples. And 
And I love that you brought up the notion of, you know, a real-time business. I know when, when I saw you speak at the Digital Transformation Conference, you were speaking specifically about that topic. And this channel on Vantic TV is actually called the real-time enterprise. So <laughs> it, that's a core to the concept of actually what we're, we're here to talk about. I, I also believe that many if not most digital transformation initiatives are fundamentally about taking something that used to be done, as you said, looking out the back window and instead doing it looking out, out the front window. That's just a super powerful analogy I'm going to start using from now on, if you don't mind. <laughs> no, feel free, no problem. Yeah, yeah. But riff, riffing on the concept of real time a little bit more, what you, tell me a little bit more about your, your thoughts on that generally. Why did you choose to focus on that as, as something you, you speak about these days? Well, because well, business is going so, so fast and we hear all the stories. There isn't an event I go to that did you don't have some keynote speaker talking about um, this company or that company that failed to see the writing on the wall. And, and you know, we, we give the Netflix blockbuster example. And you talk about Uber coming into play and Airbnbs. And then you even talk about traditional other companies like a Nike that's becoming a technology or is a technology company first and using the technology to help drive all the rest of their business. Um, and there's so many examples of those, but I think that things are happening so quickly um, to us pace of change and the pace of technology change is faster than ever that as an organization, if we're not able to, to move at whatever speed our organization needs to move at, we're going to find ourselves quickly disrupted and probably out of business. Uh, if we look at the, uh, the Fortune 500 from 1955, I think this is a stat from a couple of years ago, uh, like 89% of them no longer are no longer in the Fortune 500 if they even exist at all. Um, and I don't want to be one of those companies that gets disrupted like that. And I don't want the people I get to help to be that, be that way either. So it's about helping you take technology to move it into the right speed uh, for driving, driving your business. And as I think about it from the real-time, what I refer to as the real-time know-it-all agile enterprise, I look at that as an enterprise that captures the invisible, predicts the unknowable, digitizes the physical world, and creates innovation partnerships. It's really an enterprise freed from the old guard's barriers, vulnerabilities and intermediaries, powering a new world of ingenuity, inclusion, and velocity. So that's a lot of really cool words to say, yeah. it, we, we need to be able to go fast and create an environment for our organization that gives all of our people the tools to make the right decisions in the right timeframes so they can take those hopefully actionable insights and, and do something with them to drive our business forward. And then be agile enough to be able to respond at this speed, right? That's the other thing. So there's no, you know, you can't be, can't plan to operate in real time if you haven't got the agility to do it. Correct. You, you can build that race car that can go 200 plus miles an hour around the track, but not everybody's capable of driving it. And, and that takes great change leadership uh, at an organization. We talk about the digital transformation, what, what gets left out so often, um, from in companies and why many I believe fail is they think it's about the technology and they may even have it tied to the technology tied to the desired business outcomes, but they forget that it means change for their companies. And if you're not the new startup, I'm in the lucky position at SGR. We're a new company. We don't have the legacy to deal with. You know, my legacy is a few spreadsheets that we're, we're going off of as we're adding, adding new systems and, and thinking everything from a cloud first and 
starting out becoming the, the real-time know-it-all enterprise as opposed to dealing with legacy mainframe solutions and processes and people. We're in old ways of doing things. We're, we're, we're in a great spot, but that's that change leadership at those companies is what I find to be missing or <clears throat> undervalued and not, not, not recognized to be critically, critically important in the success of these transformation initiatives. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, this this has been really cool. So, let me uh, let's let's bring it around here to one of my favorite questions that I ask the guests, which is, what part of conventional wisdom would you like the opportunity to call bullshit on today? I'm, I'm sure there's got to be something where everybody is saying X and and you say Y. What have you yeah. got? Well, I kind of have three. Um, one, I do kind of call BS on this whole phrase digital transformation. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. It's, to me, it's about what? business transformation. I know, uh, I know, I think it's overhyped and overused, um, but uh, it's really about the business transformation and, and, and digital being the, the technologies that we're, we're using to continue to drive forward to create the business outcomes. I think yeah. um, the other one um, and for, is, is this concept of bimodal IT. I hated it when Gartner came out with it. Um, that we have these two speeds of, of IT. You, you, you go slow with your legacy and, and fast trying to do this transformation. Our businesses aren't going at two speeds. Our businesses are going fast, and if not faster and faster every day, but it's one speed. It's, a, it's, all, speed, it's all, all speed forward. Or, or you know, what's, what's that phrase? All, you know, all ahead fall from the <laughs> Right, right. And, and I don't know of a single company that's gone out there and says, hey, we're a bimodal organization and look how successful we are. They're all talking about how we have to go faster to avoid disruption. So why is IT trying to do something differently than the rest of the organization? All we're doing is creating that misalignment that we always talk about. So I, I just look at it as we need to, from a technology perspective, stop thinking about bimodal IT and start focusing on what do we need to do to move at the speed of business? And we can't be the laggard and slow us down. And the, the third thing I think is kind of, kind of BS is the hype around blockchain. I do believe blockchain is a great technology and is going to be very pervasive in our, in our enterprise. It's just not there and ready for prime time yet. Yet we get all the hype about it. It's out there and every media publication is talking about it. It's uh, a topic at every event. Uh, we see commercials about blockchain for our tomatoes. Uh, that's great, but it's not changing how I buy tomatoes. And I don't think it's ready for the enterprise yet. But because of all this hype, companies are focusing on it and probably focusing on it before they should be. They've got maybe some cracks in their foundation that are going to make that, that harder for them to start to apply this blockchain. And they're, they're spending time on something that's cool and sexy and forgetting about um, what they need to do to solidify the foundation and other things that are going to have greater impacts on their business today rather than some things forward down, down the line. You know, I, I know a couple organizations or industries that have been talking about what they wanna do for blockchain. I'm in the oil space and I think blockchain from a smart contract, as we think about the purchases of crude oil or even how we manage things at the, at the wellhead are great, great, great use cases for it. But in order for them to work, just because someone builds the platform to do it, means I have to get all the other players on board in order for it to truly be beneficial. It's a large industry and a lot of different and unique players of all different uh, shapes and sizes not all ready to go. And there's a, a consortium of large oil players that came together to try and create this platform. And it's been two years and there's nothing on the market yet. They've done some great proof of concepts and proved that it's, it can work, but it hasn't become mainstream yet. 
And that's where I think the hype is the BS part. It is a real technology. It will be something in our industry or organizations soon, but maybe not tomorrow, like others would like to predict. Yeah, well, thanks, Ken. And we've had many guests use the opportunity to call BS on blockchain. <laughs> but this is one of the most well thought through uh, discussions of why that we've heard yet on Bantic TV. So uh, thank you for that. All right, so any uh, technology or business predictions for 2019? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's, it's an exciting, exciting time. But, you know, I think <clears throat> one, I mentioned it a number of times, is the speed uh, of business is only going to increase. And I think from a technology perspective, we've got to be prepared for, for that so we as technology leaders are not slowing our companies down. So that's, that's one. We're going to get, have to get faster. Two, um, I think, and this is a little bit longer term, maybe it won't fully come to bear in, in 2019, but I think that, that AI, the way it's being used today, only scratches the surface of what can be done with it. Um, and I soon, I think that it'll become so ubiquitous that we won't even call it AI anymore. Um, it'll just be there and everywhere and everything we do. Um, robotic process automation, RPA, and natural language processing, um, I think are gonna be mainstream in companies uh, here in 2019 and not something that we're just kind of experimenting with on the side. I really think the natural language processing um, is going to take off tremendously, whether it's through companies experimenting with how do they add that, that Amazon Echo or Google Home or, or Apple Siri or another thing like that into their organization. They're building something on their own or they're leveraging other companies' products that, that have that embedded into it. It's going to start to be an expected feature uh, of what you do and how we interact. No longer do I want to type at my keyboard to go find the report. Why can't I just say, hey, show me last month's uh, P&L uh, and, and bam, I've, I've got it or, or ask different questions of my data. And what that means then as the other part of 2019, my data strategies have to really start to be real and exist and be part of your business strategy because none of that, whether it's the AI, it's the RPA, it's the MBL or any of these other technologies you might want to talk about, they don't work well if we don't have solid data and a good plan for how that data works. So uh, I think that's, that's a key part to what you're going to see in 2019 across more organizations is data strategy truly is part of our business strategy, which means companies recognizing data as a real asset critical to business success and not an afterthought. That does mean we're going to focus more on the security uh, of, our, of our data, both, both in transit and at, at rest. Um, it's going to start showing as an asset on the balance sheet even because it's that critical to what our, our businesses do. Uh, and I think legacy data management practices are going to start to die off and the concept of data ops is going to become more mainstream and enabling companies to move data at the speed of business. So that's what I think is going to happen in 2019. Data is the foundation. We're going to think about it more, more intelligently. Um, it's going to be a real asset and, the, and technologies like AI, uh, natural language product, RPA are going to take off because of it. Hmm, great predictions. And data ops, a really interesting uh, concept. Obviously, DevOps, which you didn't talk about today much, but is, is really, you know, the concept of DevOps is starting to take, uh, you know, IT departments by storm, I think, and data ops is an interesting concept. On your AI topic, I absolutely agree. People don't even realize it directly, but and natural language processing, visual and facial recognition, all these applications are fundamentally applications of AI. There, mm -hmm. there are different elements of, of AI and they're being embedded in, in everywhere. And we don't think of them as AI uh, anymore, but that's, that is what they are. So 
yeah, I, I think uh, Ubiquity 2019, I agree, will be a year when we sort of forget there's AI inside of everything, but it is inside of everything. So it's great. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned DevOps in there. I know I didn't mention because it's, it's, been, it's been around for a little. It's actually kind of an older, older phrase now. You know. yeah. uh, I look at data ops as the complementary or the missing component of that. We did all these great things from a DevOps perspective around bringing the applications and operations group together and being able to, to, to release and test and, and move code to and apps to production faster and better uh, with less issues. And that's a great methodology and, and, and one I strongly believe in. But what we forgot in all of that was, was the data. And we did all these really cool things around the application side, but data continued to move at a, at a, at a snail's pace and how we, we manage that to increase testing cycles, to improve the quality, all the things that DevOps is about without the data. And adding data ops to it, you know, we might want to say DevSecOps too, to add the security side into there. Um, but the data side of it to me is, is, is where there's the biggest bang for the buck and opportunity for companies because um, they, they've not, we, we've done things very tr traditionally old school and that hasn't matured at the same pace as, as other things that we've done, other processes in our organizations. Yep, yep. All right, to wrap it up, any final key takeaways or tips for a business leader trying to drive the transformation of her organization? Yeah, ab absolutely. I think understanding your business top to bottom, inside and out, that's that cash register, again, I think is, is critical for you and your, your team to be successful in this, this new normal that we're, that we're in. Um, I think you need to look outside your, your industry for innovation and bring those great ideas back to your company. Um, you know, too often we get focused on what do we do in the industry that we're in and don't realize that a lot of what happens around us is, is things that we can pull into our own company. When I, when we did that, that mobile application for payment at the pump, um, we modeled a lot of it out after Starbucks. I loved the experience and how Starbucks application worked. And we modeled a lot of what we did based on, based on their, their stuff. So we went to retail coffee and leveraged it for, for, for petroleum's distribution. Um, you know, as I think about these, creating that real-time know-it-all agile enterprise, I've always had three ingredients that I think are, are key that you need to think about and how we do that. One, you've got to leverage the technology and that starts with the data. Two, change leadership. And three, you got to have a methodology for how you're going to design and build this. And I apply a lot of design thinking methods to, to what we do with my team. But you can't just fly by the seat of your pants. Have a plan, and those are my three ingredients, that recipe uh, that's there. As business technology leaders, um, it was a great piece of advice that was given to me early in my uh, CIO career, and I've uh, followed it, I try to follow it often and, and share it with, with many others. Um, but it's about focusing on the four C's. And this is hard for technology executives because we grew up in the technology side. But the four C's are cash, customer, culture, and competition. The rest of your C-suite and executive team, your board are thinking about those things. You need to be as well. You can't just think about the technology side. And that leads me to the last part of my kind of tips or advice is, remember nobody really cares about the technology. They only care about the business outcomes technology can help them achieve. Um, and that's what's really important. That's the hardest thing for technologists to get over. Mm -hmm. Technology doesn't really matter. It's all about the business outcomes. Yeah. Wow. Well, I can't wait to read the transcript of this interview because we've covered so many bases here, so much deep, rich uh, thinking that I'm gonna, it's going to take me a while even to, uh, to comprehend it all. But it'll, I think it'll be well worth reading. 
So Ken, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a lot oh, of fun. Thank you very much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. You bet. And those interested in hearing more of Ken's thoughts can follow at Ken Piddington on Twitter and also check out his LinkedIn profile and visit his website, kenpiddington.com. And of course, you can reach out to me anytime at realtimeadvantage.com. If you would like to subscribe to the podcast version of The Real-Time Enterprise, search for The Real-Time Enterprise on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you are already listening to the podcast version of The Real-Time Enterprise, please leave a rating or comment and let us know how you are enjoying the show.